Well, welcome to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sovereign Grace Churches Australia. And our hope for this podcast is to help cultivate leadership, which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Riley Spring and I'm here with Dave Taylor. And we are also here with Jared Mellon. Uh. <laughs> Jared Melling nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. We were just discussing how to say it, and yeah. uh, I I choked on it. But that's right. We're gonna we're gonna leave this in. We're here with Jared Mellinger, and uh, that was good. I think that was better. Um, and Jared Mellinger is a oh, maybe I put a G in there. He's a pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church in um, Pennsylvania in the USA. He's part of the Sovereign Grace Church's leadership team. And he's a friend of our church, and we are so glad that you're on here, Jared. Tell us, what's life like in the U.S. at the moment? Ah, it's uh, great to be here with you guys. Thanks for inviting me, and uh, all is well here. We're in, uh, you know, holiday season, and so in our church, we just had uh, our annual Christmas concert. We do those, uh, you know, two nights. We did it last uh, Saturday and Sunday night, and uh, I think really blessed the community. This was actually the first year that we had standing room only oh, wow. for one night. I mean, so it would be, I believe, over a thousand people there the second night, and uh, yeah. and so it's just great to be able to. Uh, we have some really gifted musicians in the church, and uh, so yeah, it's, that's that's one holiday event, and uh, looking forward to Christmas Eve service and more. So awesome, that's awesome! Our, our church here at uh, Southern Grace Church Parramatta just sent one of our members to your church for a year. Uh, to do a, a kids and youth ministry internship. And so mm-hmm. one of the things we love about Sovereign Grace is just the partnership we have across our churches, across the world, you know, going internationally. So mm-hmm. thanks for taking her on and I hope that she's blessed by um, spending a year in your church and with, you know, different um, elders and people in, in your sphere there. We are thrilled to have Abby with us. <laughs> Today, we are picking up on our conversation that we've been looking at uh, this season of the podcast about what it's like to have a church which is passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, We've been saying that, you know, we want to build churches that know, apply, and proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we we spent a lot of time uh, looking at what it's like to know the gospel personally and passionately, what it's like to know it in our homes with our wives and our kids before we go out there and proclaim it. Uh, we're going to have some time with Bob Coughlin, talk about knowing the gospel in our singing. Uh, but today we're with Jared and we're going to be talking about knowing the gospel in our preaching. And the hope is, is that we're going to just get a deep dive a little bit in this 20 minute session to know a little bit more about preaching and how the gospel fits into that. Uh, and so, uh, not Dave, normally, normally I'm asking Dave the first question, but I'm going to go to Jared and then Dave, you can jump in. Uh, Perfect, mate. You can just stick with Jared for the whole 20 minutes. Yeah, it would probably serve people better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in fact, that might be my contribution to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let me serve by getting out of the way. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with a really, really broad question, and you've got a short amount of time to answer this, Jared. You're on. You're on the. Uh, you're on the mic now. Why preaching? I mean, why do we do this outdated form of communication when we could be sitting in classrooms and we could be doing conversations and dialoguing or we could be doing, I don't know, live art instead of preaching. (laughs) Who knows? But why preaching? Yeah, I, um, I think a good starting point is to say that God has revealed himself to humanity and, and the, what we do in preaching is an extension of uh, God's self-revelation. So, so God comes to us, he reveals himself, and he doesn't 
bring a dialogue, he brings an authoritative message to be declared. And, uh, and so I think that the whole idea of authority, God's authority, um, the authority of his revelation is really fundamental to the idea of what, what preaching is. Um, just as God doesn't come sharing personal opinions, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but revealing what is true, um, truths unchanged from the dawn of time. You know, we in preaching don't just share opinions, we're heralding God's word. So yeah, that's, that's the basis of it. It's of preaching is God's revelation of he's made himself known through his words, through his saving deeds. And then he calls preachers to communicate the whole counsel of his word, focusing on Christ and, and his glory preeminently revealed in the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, so, so preaching is, you know, I think, I think of Romans 10, preaching is God's way of making himself known. How, how are they to hear without someone preaching? Um, and, uh, and so I think that's, that's at least a starting point, why preaching, and really you can trace all through, you know, scripture, if we add more time to see, okay, how does God communicate his word to his people? What is Moses doing? What is Ezra doing? What are all the prophets doing? Preachers today, stand in in continuity though we are not uh there's differences from the us and the old testament prophets though we do stand in line in that we are uh called to proclaim the authoritative word of god to to the people of god for the edification of god's people and it is such an incredible blessing and joy to be able to to do so what a high calling yeah so we have the the nature of who god is and how he's revealed himself and then the nature of who we are you know we're revelation receivers we without god speaking to us we can't know him you know the you know psalm 19 kind of reveals that you know general revelation the world teaches us but we need obviously special revelation we need god to come in and speak to us his law so that we actually know what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live and specific attributes of who he is and so it's it's bound up in who God is. It's bound up in how he's made us, that we need revelation. We need people to teach us. We need the authoritative word. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, that's fantastic. So, And that includes, and that includes those of us who are called to, to, to the work of preaching, yes, by the way, you need to receive and listen as well <laughs> uh, as, truth, as truth comes to us. Okay, so if that's why we need preaching in sort of a general sense, you know, you get to the New Testament, say, we've got the Bible, you know, it's the 21st century. I've got a great ESV translation in front of me. You know, we've had the Protestant Reformation. Everyone should have a Bible in front of them. We can all read it in our common tongue and language. Why do we still need preaching today if we've got the word that's been preached and written down for us? And, you know, why do churches do preaching every week? What, how would you say that? Yeah, so what, what we see in, in Scripture in the New Testament, where is although the, the uh, Old Testament Scriptures are there, there is a call, a charge that Paul gives to Timothy to, to preach the word. I charge you in the presence of God, you know, and of Christ Jesus, uh, preach the word. That call, so, you know, read, read 2 Timothy uh, 3 and 4, those chapters, in chapter 4, verse 2, it says, preach the word. There's this call to the authoritative proclamation of the word that is to find expression uh, that preach the word, preach the word to who? To the people of God. Um, and so it's, it's clear in the, in the New Testament that part of what God's people are doing as they gather is receiving 
the the word as as it is preached. When when Paul would travel to uh, various cities, it's clear this was central to his ministry there. When when he went to different towns, he devoted himself to the work of preaching. I mean, really, you start you begin the book of Acts and you see the role of the public proclamation of the word. Now, a lot most of the sermons in Acts are in the context of preaching to unbelievers uh, who who would be saved through preaching, but that tradition of preaching and addressing the people of God. Uh, continues in the in the church today, and so then preaching it's it's part of our history. It's part of the command of scripture, uh, and then you know it's uh, in a sense it, it, it's a practical thing that helps the the congregation to grow, to be built up, to be fed, and we ought to give a special importance and emphasis to it. It's not just like oh we do it because it has to be there, um, but uh, we do it because it, it's vital for for the growth of our souls in the congregation, ourselves as preachers. And, and so when we go about preaching, you know, how do you as a preacher and as a, as a lead pastor of a church, make an emphasis on preaching in your church and uh, make it a big deal, so to speak, or should you make it a big deal? Mm. Yes, we, we do make preaching a, a big deal. The entire gathering of the, of the saints uh, every Lord's day is, is a big deal. And, there is a sense in which the most important moment of that uh, most important, you know, hours of the of the week uh, is the the preaching of the the word of God. Mm-hmm. God, in His kindness, gives means of grace to His people, means of grace through which we grow, means of grace through which Christ builds His church, and preaching. The preaching of God's word is a primary means of grace through which, through which our souls are fed on Christ, uh, through which we are sustained in suffering, um, strengthened in our weakness, um, envisioned for for mission. So it's it, it's not that the work of individual believers throughout the week is unimportant, you know, and we believe there's a sense in which all believers are called to a certain kind of ministry of the word. So ministry of the word needs to be understood more broadly than just uh, the the, the preaching moment. But God uh, uses that preaching moment in a unique way to allow us to receive his truth um, so that we can go out into the world as his uh as his representatives as his ambassadors um using our gifts and and reaching a world lost in darkness um so there's also you know there's a realization that i bring i'm sure you guys think this way as well there's a sense that as the pulpit goes so goes the church mm-hmm. uh and uh preaching is a is a primary means through which pastors shepherd and feed the flock as under shepherds and so as as pastors become aware of areas that need to be addressed um what 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 god is calling his people to um what he has for us well it should be in in the pulpit that those things find expression Mm -hmm. and uh and where there is a lack of theological uh richness and faithfulness in preaching, where there is uh, a, a lack of, uh, of faithfulness in the preaching task, that, that will inevitably show itself in a, uh, in a weakening in the, 
in the church. And so it's, you see it where churches go astray, uh, it so often can be traced back to the pulpit going astray uh, and, uh, and to weaknesses present in the, in the pulpit. Uh, that's a really a good point. It reminds me something, Dave, that you've always picked up on, um, as I've said under your leadership, is that, you know, using that moment as the lead pastor to, as your primary means of leading the church. And uh, do you want to just talk about how you view uh, the, the centrality and, and essentiality of, of preaching? Yeah, I mean, just to echo what I, I agree with everything Jared said. He just said it a lot better than I ever could. It was very. <laughs> that's why we. That's why we got. Yeah, him that's on. why we got him up. <laughs> no, I did not. Stop Jared, it. <laughs> Jared is a wonderful for our listeners. Jared is a wonderful communicator, and in my opinion, one of the best preachers we have in Sovereign Grace. Yeah, amen. Um, so very grateful for his example and that we have him here. Yeah, look, I, I got taught early on as a as a pastor that that preaching moment. Um, is, is your leadership. It's a big part of building theology behind what, why we do what we do, but then also leading the line in doing what we do. And I think that's one of the reasons why in Sovereign Grace we, we preach expositionally to try and seek to find the, the IRE, the, the intended redemptive effect. What is that text actually here for? And then how can we let the, the juggernaut that is that text now thrust into the lives of people, um, which is leadership, which is why I think we're not commanded just to read the Bible on a Sunday, yeah, but yeah. to preach the Bible on a Sunday. And the two are different. You could, if the premise being, well, we just let the word do the work and the full stop, well, we can just go ahead and read it. <laughs> but if we let the word do the work through a gifted pastor who's shepherding this flock, through leadership as well now this is this is exhortation and theology on fire this is this is doing something different and so it was pete greasy the, the the man that i got to serve with for many years that taught me this stuff the importance of building our theology and our pastoral ministry on the word and then letting that come out through preaching not just through church family meetings they have a, a significant part in our and what we do and leadership moments there are numerous numerous moments but seeing preaching as that primary moment of how we can lead people um, to love Jesus, to rely on Jesus, to know him, to want to proclaim him and all the things Jared was saying. I just think it is such an important moment. And that's why for, for pastors to be working on preaching is just an ongoing important reality because it's such an important part of what we do. <clears throat> well, let, let me read. I'll read in full that um, section from 1 Timothy, just because I think it, it, it's, it just so perfectly summarizes the kind of high calling that we're talking about. Wonderful. So 1 Timothy 3.16 through to chapter 4, a little bit, uh, 3 or 4. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, Paul couldn't probably give it a higher sort of, you know, build up and build up and build up like the word it's breathed out by God. And now I charge you in the presence of Jesus Christ himself and God and the angels and everyone 
you go and tell people that word and you don't just, you know, uh, dialogue it or kind of you, you, you know, herald it, you preach the word and in and out of season. And then you, you rebuke people and reprove people. It's not just all inspirational, you know, little um, seminars where you're lifting people up and giving them a bit of hope so they can get out there on Monday. You know, there's going to be times obviously in our preaching where we're going to be rebuking and calling people and correcting people as well as encouraging them and consoling them. So I think that that section there summarizes, you know, if, the theology of preaching and i don't know how some churches read that passage and <laughs> and then do what they do uh it'd be interesting to sit down and chat with them and be like how where, how did you get there uh that would be an interesting discussion uh jared i want to ask you so on that idea there's different types of preaching and dave mentioned expositional preaching what are other types of preaching and what would be your preference for a, a weekly sermon We'll see it. You have expositional preaching where you're preaching. That's generally interested to be preaching through a particular book of the Bible, uh, you know, one uh, taking it one passage uh, at a time. Uh, there's topical preaching where you have a particular topic that you are addressing. I suppose you could add things like biographical preaching, you know, as well. There could be these different kinds. And while there's a place for uh, various kinds of preaching, we do treasure and value uh, expositional preaching. Um, which I would define as not necessarily always that you're, you're preaching through a book of the Bible, although I do think that ought to be the, the norm as well, but it's a sermon in which the main point of that text becomes, it is the main point of the sermon. Um, that's what I would say expositional uh, preaching is, but it doesn't mean there's not a, a place to do, um, as we did not too long ago, you know, a, a, a series on uh, on, you know, the gentle and lowly heart of Christ, you know, and, uh, and, to, but when, when that's done, it's best to select particular texts that are exposited, uh, even within a sort of topical series. Um, and I would say that the, I have found it best to have the bulk of the preaching be preaching through a book of the Bible. So right now we're preaching through first Peter and we take, uh, uh, particular passages and we are preaching messages in which the main point of the sermon is the main point of the of the text that's that's expositional preaching because it's, it's possible isn't it to look like you're doing that but actually not doing that so you you take a line from first peter and it, you know say it's um you know i exhort the elders among you uh, and you know one peter five and then you then preach a whole sermon on elders but you actually don't address really the, the text. It's sort of like a springboard and it looks like expositional because last week was one Peter four. <laughs> now you're in one Peter five, but actually you're just, you're kind of doing topical. So, so you're recommending the weekly sort of just go through and what that little section of the text has to say, that's going to be what we're going to preach on in that little unit. Obviously you can digress and go and find other things, but that, that's what you're saying. Yes. Yep. That's what we have found uh, most helpful. And what I believe there is, is warrant uh, to say, yes, this is, this is allowing the word of God to set the agenda for what we are teaching. And we found that as we do that, it serves people. We could just say, Hey, we're going to do a sermon now on spiritual gifts, or we're going to do a sermon now on this particular topic it can be so much more helpful when we come to those sermons though, to see them in the context of the, of the book that they are in and how it yeah. functions uh, in scripture. It also protects us from just preaching our own 
you know, sort of uh, uh, pet burdens and, and passions and gravitating toward those things to really say, okay, what does this book of the Bible and what does this passage say? And we preach on passages that way that we wouldn't otherwise perhaps choose to preach on. That's certainly been my experience that there's a Sunday where I have this as my sermon text, that if it was just up to me and what's my burden, what's on my heart, well, I wouldn't say, yes, this is the, this is the text I want to preach. Hey, we're doing divorce. Yeah, that was wrong. Oh, right. This is going to be great. Okay. Yeah. That, that was us a month ago. You don't wake up and go, hmm, this week, I'm just going to do a really encouraging and inspiring <laughs> message on divorce and adultery. That's going to really bless people. Uh, but, it, you know, by God's grace, as we walk, we're walking through Matthew, and, and it really did have a, a profound effect on people's Wonderful. lives because it, it gave us a moment to pause on, and then we followed it up in our life groups on everyone's marriages and their singleness and their holiness and their purity and adultery and all that. And we, we went for it and, you know, it was left field. And so I was grateful for the way, you know, just preaching through section by section in Matthew's gospel, we touched on a, such an important topic, uh, but it wasn't just a whole series or, or a planned attack. It was just oh, the yeah, Lord let us here for that week. You know, right. that, oh, yeah, that reminds me of one of the burdens that J.C. Ryle had in his day and why he wrote holiness, uh, you know, in uh, in the 1800s was he he said basically he saw preachers and pastors. Living only in Ephesians one through three <laughs> and not and, and, and almost ignoring Ephesians four through six in terms of practical instructions for Christian living teaching into marriage, teaching into parenting, teaching into relationships and community in the church and, and, and Christian life. And uh, it's an example of, uh, of how we benefit from, I mean, who of us wouldn't rather preach, you know, if something from Ephesians one through three than something yeah. from Ephesians four through six. And yet we, in order to be well-rounded, in order to be faithful to the whole counsel of God, we need to uh, up, apply scripture and preach uh, the, the whole of scripture. Hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Now, when we talk about uh, preaching the whole of scripture and applying scripture, you know, the whole of the Bible is obviously about Jesus Christ. And uh, we would say that the, in the center of the, the storyline of the Bible, the redemptive storyline is the Christ event, you know, Christ coming, uh, living, dying, being buried, rising again, ascending into heaven, his future return, uh, so how do you and why do you preach the gospel um, in your preaching? Or how do you go about doing that and making Christ um, glorious and central in all that you do? Yeah, and this is, uh, even as you're uh, describing that vision of preaching and the heart of preaching and the content of preaching, Riley, my heart um, soars because this is what we get to do. It, it, yeah. it just occurred to me as you say that, like, this is the whole privilege of preaching. And sometimes there can be, okay, if we didn't have as much prep as we want this week and we get all caught up in ourselves and how good is this sermon and how good are my illustrations and application? And, I, and we just need to pause and step back and say, we are getting to communicate the greatest news the world has ever known. We're getting to preach uh, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it ought to be that we take, we take great joy in that. Um, yeah, we, we preach Christ. Uh, because the Bible is fundamentally about Christ. It's not, it's not uh, at its heart uh, a, a manual for, for better living or, or uh, for self-improvement or anything like that. It is, uh, it is a revelation of Christ from start to finish. Yeah, Jesus himself says on the road uh, to Emmaus in, in Luke 24, 
beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Um, he says in John 5, the scriptures, the Old Testament bears witness to me. And, um, and then even in the, uh, the second Timothy 315, the sacred writings are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the, so scripture from start to finish, it's clear, including the old Testament, not just the gospels. Mm. It's all about Christ. And, and even as believers seeing Christ and feeding on Christ, uh, beholding Christ remains our greatest need. This is what I love about what you guys are doing with this podcast and the uh, just hammering the, the centrality of the gospel. We can have this wrong ideas. The way that Jerry Bridges always described it is that, okay, we look at unbelievers and think, okay, they need the gospel. Yeah. But then we think we can look at people once they are, are saved, are believers, and they go, okay, now they need Christian discipleship. They need uh, mission. They need to be instructed in this area. He says, no, that's mistaken. Believers need the gospel. And if you if you think about this, I remember the first moment that I realized, wait, Paul in the epistles uh, and, and Peter and the other writers of scripture are writing to groups of Christians. Mm. And there is so much just communication of the gospel, like all of all of what Romans is in Romans one. He says he he's eager to visit them. He wish he could visit them to impart some grace to them. And then he says in Romans one I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So he, he wants to see these believers. He wants to be refreshed by them, but he's wanting to 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 preach the gospel. And then because he can't be there with them is part of the reason why he goes on throughout the whole of Romans, you know, certainly those next eight chapters and, and beyond next 11 chapters um, to communicate the riches of, of the gospel. His, his prayer for the people of God is that, you know, Ephesians 3, that they would be taken into a deeper knowledge of the love that Christ has for them because he understood uh, that we are changed by beholding the glory of Christ. Um, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed from one degree of, of glory to another. And so, so we believe that the gospel remains our greatest need as we, as we gather each Sunday, we as believers need uh, to receive the riches of the, of the gospel. And one of the passions that I have is that gospel-centered preaching should never be bland mm. because there are there are so many ways that the scriptures point to christ when we talk about christ-centered preaching that is not just tacking and christ died for your sins on the end of a message that, that's glorious good news and have that you know somewhere but if you see how christ is displayed through all of the pages of scripture it's never just the same route taken to get there there's a richness to the biblical display of uh, of of christ in you know in uh in scripture and so that's our this is actually i've come i've come to believe that this is the most challenging part of preaching uh, you might think like, okay, most challenging part is coming up with, uh, again, illustrations or how do I, oh, coming up with an introduction or whatever. If you step back and say, what is it that makes this preaching task so difficult, so challenging, so glorious, the romance of, of, of preaching, um, it is that we are 
called by God to seek to communicate the riches of the glory of Christ to the people of God. And, you know, we have an old song, all are too poor to speak his vast and priceless worth. And so our, we are inadequate for the task. But this is where, if we're laboring as we should, we will have sermons that are full of Christ. This is where I think the Puritans did better than us. I have books on my shelf that are uh, dozens and dozens of just collections of sermons on the person and work of Christ that, uh, <laughs> that, that, pastors and preachers from from centuries past just lived in those themes nowadays what tends to attract people is the uh, sermon series on marriage sermon series on sex sermon series on parenting sermon series on stewarding finances you say we're doing a sermon series on 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 christ and his glory um but isn't that so much of what scripture focuses on preach through the book of hebrews preach through the book of john these glorious displays of christ that are distinct from each other and that are a part of the you know, of the richness of, of revealing mm. Christ. So yeah, we, we need God's help to take the people of God deeper into a knowledge of the, the glory of Christ and the, the beauty of Christ and the heart of Christ. And it is my greatest weakness as a preacher and God help us all to grow in that glorious calling. Wow. I mean, I'm so inspired by listening to that because it, it, it makes me want to just go and preach right now. I'm not uh, even but, preaching this week, but I think I might want to preach. Now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I resonate with you. It's such a challenge to do that in a way that even comes close to giving some likeness to the glory of Christ and to do it in a way which is fresh and which is not just you know, sort of a rote way of tacking the gospel on, which can be, you know, my tendency sometimes if I'm late in preparation and it shows how wrong my, my view is. I've spent so long trying to figure out the text that now I've, I'm missing the main game that I'm not adequately displaying the glories and beauties of Christ. And so uh, that's, that's just really helpful. Uh, Dave, when you think about um, preaching the gospel or, you know, how do you go about doing that as a preacher week in, week out? <clears throat> um. To be honest, I honestly don't think I've got anything to add from what Jared said wonderfully. I just think it's 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 not hard to find Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I I grew up in a situation where I didn't know what biblical theology was until my early 20s. So I, I a lot of Old Testament stories were just Sunday school stories. You know, it's like that's what you learn about, but Sunday school, I know no clue that they all point to Jesus. So that was, that was like a grand unveiling. Mm. I still remember learning about that and being like, this is off the chart. <laughs> this whole Bible is like one book. This is unbelievable. And the old Testament all points to Jesus. And then the gospels point right out Jesus. The letters point back to Jesus. Revelation points forward to, I mean, that was just revolutionary in my mind. But I think once you, once you study that and you get more of with that and comfortable with that, and you realize that every page whispers the name of Jesus. Some, some pages scream his name. Yes. It's a matter of finding him. I, I would agree with what Jared's saying that I think that the hard work is sometimes thinking through, how do you avoid just saying this the same old way? Yeah. What is different about this text in front of me? What does this say different about Jesus? And because the gospel is so multifaceted, it's such a beautiful opportunity to point to a different part of the diamond when we preach and not just point to the same bit again and again and again. But I think making sure if we're not seeing Calvary in a message, 
we, we, we're missing something. <laughs> Where yeah. does this point me to Jesus? Because again, the, the, the point of preaching is we want this to come alive in people's hearts. So you want to show them Christ, mm-hmm. show them Jesus. Where is he in this text? And he's all, he's guaranteed the gospel is, is there. We just got to do the hard work of finding. Yeah. And that, that um, what you said there reminds me of one Corinthians two, when Paul says, and I, when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure he preached on a lot of things and I'm sure he taught broadly, but he referenced it all through the hill um, called Calvary. And he went to the cross because that's where it links the whole story together and everything makes sense in that, in that whole cross moment, you know, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection and the, you know, ascension, it all comes together and it all makes sense. And one of the assumptions I take into the pulpit every week when I preach, you know, is that doctrine of sin that everyone in my church, including myself needs to hear the gospel again this week. You know, it's not like what Jared said, or was it Dave maybe um, that we, we began with it and then, you know, we've moved on and we just need teaching now. It's like, no, I need to hear again. My heart has grown cold. Uh, my affections have, you know, grown cold. My belief, you know, I think, is it um, Jeff Anderson says we're all unbelievers uh, and uh, yep. we need again to believe again that the gospel is really true and that my sins are really forgiven and that Christ is glorious and he actually loves me. And so I bring that assumption into the pulpit every week. And in some ways, I don't know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but in some ways I preach. Oh, here we go, Jared. There's a drum roll. <laughs> here we go. Oh, heresy alert. <laughs> yeah, let me just call on your podcast and correct you. That's, yeah, that's no, what I'm here to do. <laughs> I can handle that. Uh, but I, in some ways, I'm like, I'm preaching through a passage, but there's always sort of this um, ascendancy. It's going, it's going, it's going until I get to sort of that moment where you are tying it all back into Christ and him crucified and displaying the excellencies of Christ. And in some ways, I can't wait for that moment in the preaching. And I'm always building and waiting to get to that moment where you're taking this general text and then you're going, and this is how good Christ is. And um, I don't know. Yeah. You guys yeah. probably have the same experience and feeling as you do it. Amen to that. All right. Look, we could, we could go on forever. And I realize that we've probably gone longer than we should. Jared, you're about to say something though. And I want you to say it. And then I'm going to ask one more question. Oh, well, just this theme of preaching the gospel. It occurred to me as you were sharing Riley, just that we ought to preach Christ and him crucified passionately yes uh, we are we ourselves hmm. we're not performing publicly hmm. um we we ourselves must be affected by the cross and our preaching of christ and i think it was that that citing of calvary language was it's different to just mention something about christ uh, yeah. one of my favorite descriptions of preaching is in galatians 3 1 where paul says it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified mm-hmm. there's this this there's this presentation to the eyes of faith yeah. of uh the glory of christ in his suffering that and this is where cj has served us so yes. well over the years is uh is preaching christ and him crucified so if there's one thing that marks the preaching of sovereign grace churches we would want it to be this preaching that's full of of christ revealing his glory
Amen. And that was my, that was actually my first experience was driving down the South coast uh, of, of, you know, where I lived, listening to a CJ Mahaney sermon and I uh, had it on a CD in the CD player and he was preaching on, I can't remember what, but he was getting to speaking of Christ and, and suddenly he starts to slow down and then it's word and then he's gone. You know, he's disappeared. Where's CJ gone? Like, obviously we're not watching, we're listening. And he he's, he's so affected by his salvation that Christ has saved him from sin. He knew he was going to hell that in that moment he's overcome. And, and I, and it's a genuine overcomeness. It's, it's not a show. And I was 15 or something listening to that, just thinking, ah, oh, you know, I love that. And it was so different to what I grew up with in the Australian sort of don't show your emotions, just um, experience. And I was like, I love that. And then I'm so glad that now I get to be part of it at the family churches, which has that passion and that, that joy in Christ. Let's go. Last question. Quick fire recommended resources on preaching. What would you love people to read or listen to or, or study um, as they think about the task of preaching? I find uh, Brian Chappell's text, Christ-Centered Preaching, to just be so helpful in so many ways. And uh, it's one that I return to, especially on uh, it, it, the, some of the practicals of preaching, great chapter and illustration, great chapter and application, those sorts of things. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' Preaching and Preachers is uh, the one, in fact, the, the book that shaped my own preaching most deeply and gave me the greatest vision for preaching would have been Ian Murray's two-volume biography of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones for me is a historical hero, and uh, but I, I, his his preaching and preachers has shaped me uh, deeply as well. Those are uh, certainly two. I would put Stott up there as well. Stott's the the volume that I have is is two volumes combined called Biblical Preaching Today, but that oh. has his uh, includes his Between Two Worlds. Right. A more recent volume, uh, Keller's on Keller's book on preaching. It's also very helpful. What would you guys add though? What's helpful? I would agree with all those. The preaching of preachers is out as a podcast as well. He split the um. He's actually got. Oh yeah. The book. That's very very good. At the only one I'd add is the supremacy of God in preaching by Piper. Yeah. Really, yeah. that one. Um, all the others, I would totally agree with you. That's that's my favorite one. Uh, I um <clears throat> I pulled it off the. I was doing a just a one week visiting a pastor when I was about twenty and stayed in his house and I pulled that volume off his shelf and read it in an afternoon and was just I was really overcome. I was I was taken with emotion in the the g- glory and the grandeur of preaching and the glory of God and and like we were saying before that the privilege we have to testify and herald who God is and, and that. And I, I love Piper's emphasis on that, that preaching moment ought to have the, the atmosphere of holiness. It's not just we're hanging out, having a chat. It's there's a, there's a, a declare, um, you know, I can't even put words, a heralding, a, a something that I just was, I was really taken by that. And I highly, highly recommend, especially the first four chapters of, of that book. Yeah. And then I think there's a couple of good podcasts by, um, on the Ordinary Pastor podcast, which has CJ yeah. and Jeff, and they have three, I believe, on preaching, and they are very, very good. Uh, they, actually and- have, they actually have three just on the theology of it, and then three on practicals, and another three on something. There's about nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
that, so yeah. this this attempt at a podcast is, oh, not, this is lame. If they're the ordinary pastors with their nine podcasts, <laughs> what are we? <laughs> we, we are pastors that in reverse. We are reversing pastors. We are back. <laughs> I've oh, said man. I'm prepared to take ordinary to whole new levels. Yeah. <laughs> ordinary. You haven't seen ordinary yet. <laughs> Capital O underlined. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, Jared, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, if anyone wants to listen to sermons uh, from Jared, uh, go to covfell.org and you can listen to sermons and go through their 1 Peter 5. I've recently listened to Jared's message on um, 1 Peter, what was it, 2 verse 11 to uh, 22 on uh, submission to governing authorities. And it was an amazing message, just concise and helpful and um, glorious so i highly recommend that Christian off the back of that right yeah i be, i've re, rededicated my life to christ um, so that was, <laughs> dave, dave baptized me again we, <laughs> just in case just to make sure <laughs> all right fantastic thank you very much guys and if anyone wants more resources you can head to sovereigngrace.com and then you can find sovereign grace australia and you can find out more about our what is it called pastors and planters academy which is launching in march Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Now, how to say Jared's surname correctly? Oh, (laughs) I didn't realize there was a trick to say (laughs) Mellinger. Is it Mellinger or Mellinger? You could do either one of those, but but uh, the G doesn't really do either of those things. It's just it's just Mellinger. Oh, so I, I'm Almost. putting a G in that doesn't doesn't even need to be pronounced. Okay, Melon. I can just imagine you're introducing him and then the, the whole podcast. <laughs> That's not really my name, but, you know, we can, <laughs> we're going to get a phonics no, lesson. No, plenty of people say Melinger or Melinger. So if you say those things, that's fine. But Meliner is how we do it. Melinger. 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 Oh, here we go. We'll see how I go. <laughs>